Good morning, everybody. Uh, and if you've been following our current series of talks on Sundays from the first letter of Peter, we've arrived at a section where he starts to give teaching on how to live and be holy in the midst of unbelievers and persecution. And I think our passage this morning presents one of the hardest challenges that we face in the world we live today, where the very words used make us wince and feel uncomfortable. Words like authority, obedience and slaves. So I'd like to do a little exercise to demonstrate this and I'd like us all to close our eyes Try to stop all the other noises in your head from interrupting, okay? And I'm going to say a word, and I want you to remember the first thing you think about. Now, it may be an image, or a feeling, or another word or phrase, okay? So the word I want you to think about is submission. Okay. So, what did you think about when I said that word? Maybe you had a thought that looked like that. Submission is a word used in wrestling, usually when somebody gives in to their opponent because the pain involved is too great to bear. Maybe you thought about similar words like surrender or yield or give in. Or maybe you had the feeling of being chained up and being held captive, or where your freedom was compromised. Could it be that you had negative thoughts about a figure or a symbol of authority, or being confronted by rules and restrictions? And for some, it may have brought up controversies, such as the word submission being used in a marriage service, Well, thankfully, the passage we're focusing on today starts short of chapter 3. So, that's a talk for someone else. (laughs) Was there anything else? Anything else anybody had a picture of or a thought about that submission brought up? No? Giving your control to someone else. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Well, let's face it. Submission has pretty negative connotations. It's hugely countercultural, and that's not a coincidence, because we're bombarded by dissenting messages from the world and the devil who are set against submitting to God. Just play a couple of these. These are either philosophers, although Jimi Hendrix wasn't so much a philosopher but than the first one. But these are the sorts of thoughts that we just get bombarded with. And these things go right back to the Garden of Eden, where the devil highlighted the one prohibition given by God, not to eat of the fruit of the tree of life. And that planted the seed of rebellion in our human hearts. So, is it no wonder that we react to the idea of submitting to God with any one of the following negative reactions? 
pride. I don't need God, I'm doing fine, thanks. And no one tells me how to run my life. Except me. Entitlement. The spirit of entitlement is rampant in our society at the moment. It focuses on self and it says, I deserve all the good things of life and I'm not obliged to share them with anyone else. I don't deserve the bad things and if bad things happen, then somebody else must be at fault and they need to pay. In other words, I become my own authority in all things, not God. Trust issues. I don't like the idea of trusting in something that is not here in flesh and blood. Or I don't trust anyone because of what's happened to me in the past. Fear. I get so worried if I'm not in control. So I can't let anyone else have control, let alone a God who I can't see. Or life is too scary at the moment that I don't want to think about it. Or, it's too difficult. Life is hard enough without becoming a Christian. And won't I stick out like some sort of weirdo in the society we live in? Well, asking Jesus into your life is an act of submission. Because you submit your life to follow him. And if this is something you've been thinking about doing but you've found that you're bombarded with some of the doubts and thoughts that I've just mentioned, I'd like to pray for you now. Lord Jesus, I pray now for anyone here or watching online who has been thinking about what it means to become your follower. I pray against the lies of the enemy and the world that would seek to paint the idea of submitting to you as negative and wrong. And I ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you reveal to them the truth of how a life walking with you, being obedient to your teaching of love, is joyful and freeing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, many of us here have had a similar sort of struggle when we first submitted to Jesus. It's well-trodden ground and it is not weird. It just highlights that we are, after all, human. But that's not the end of the story. We heard last week in James's talk that having submitted to Jesus, we've, come be pa- we've become part of a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's 1 Peter 2 verse 9. You see, because we are chosen and called by God, with the freedom and joy that that brings, we now have a responsibility to live under his authority and do his will. And we face daily choices and challenges to submit to God's will or not. Knowing about godly submission is one thing. 
applying it is another. That's far more difficult. Because deep down, I know God wants me to be obedient and to trust him. But those same things which I struggled with before putting my life in the hands of Jesus rise up in opposition to stop me following him. In fact, I would say that they literally become spiritual enemies of my daily submission to him. So let's go back over them. But they've subtly changed. You see, pride is still there. Yes, I know you know best, Lord, but on this occasion, I know better. How often have we said that? Entitlement turns into a religious spirit. And instead of joyful obedience in God and a transformed life, we simply put on the appearance of doing the right things and abstaining from the wrong things. But deep down, we're judgmental, unloving, and unwilling for God to change us. And it comes from thinking something like, I'm already doing a lot for God, so he should be pleased with that. I don't need to change or submit. There are still trust issues. I don't know if I can trust God to come through me for this time. I know he's done it in the past, but maybe not. Fear continues to manifest itself. I still feel like I have to control things just to get by. Or since becoming a Christian, it seems that life has somehow got a lot harder. I didn't realise that, and I'm really struggling. So I'll just keep my head down. Or maybe the thing God wants me to do is too difficult, so I'm just going to pass. See, these enemies wage war in our minds and the devil taps into them and they become spiritual attacks that seek to prevent us from doing God's will. And if we don't win the spiritual war, then we will not win the practical one. So how do we win the spiritual battle? Well, the clues can be found in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 18 to 23. And Paul writes this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Paul entreats us in this passage 
to remember these things. First, the understanding of God's calling on our lives as revealed by the Holy Spirit. We've been called. The authority which we, along with all things, are under. We are under the dominion of Jesus Christ. The power that's available to us through Jesus. And that does not bind, but frees us. The prize which awaits us, which is eternity in heaven. And the family of believers we belong to and which support us. These things help us battle those spiritual enemies. But the thing we need to know is not only in our heads, but with the full assurance and confidence in them in our hearts. Then we can start to walk the journey of submission with the continued revelation of the Holy Spirit. And we need that daily, maybe hourly. You see, because that is the reminder of the hope that it is in Jesus Christ which the Spirit ministers through the renewing of our minds and through reading God's Word that we are protected. Well, I'd like to paint a a nice, pretty picture here, but there are going to be times that we're going to be going into, even today, when we're going to be faced with the choice that leads to a destination. And there are three ways you can go. You can go my way, the way of the world, or God's way. And we need the Holy Spirit's discernment to make sure we choose God's way. Because it may not be obvious in the situation that we find ourselves in. So let's return to our passage. Because Peter's instruction in his letter seeks to go further. He was writing to both Jews and Greeks and they were under the occupation of a foreign power. And as Christians, they were very likely to be feeling pressure and even persecution from their Roman rulers. Just as Jesus had been questioned about coming under Caesar's authority while also remaining true to God's authority in Matthew chapter 22... So Peter is reaffirming this teaching in verses 13 and 14. And he writes this, Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Hang on a minute. Isn't submitting to God about our relationship with him, not how we act to our lords and masters or parents or bosses? Not so. God 
is a God of order. He is anti-rebellion. He abhors anarchy. And it is he who requires our obedience to authorities that he has allowed to be put in place so that orderly living is maintained and his purposes fulfilled. Verse 15 says this, For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Now what does that mean in this context? Well, we have the advantage of hindsight to know that Jewish rebellions had been put down mercilessly by the Romans. But the Romans were using any sort of religious uprising as a means to persecute that particular group. And this verse goes to the heart of what God's will was about. God's will was that Christians did not react in rebellion against their Roman overlords, despite being persecuted. You see, God's purpose was that the revolutionary example of love that Christians displayed, not just to their own, but towards others, would convert the Roman world to Christianity. And we know that it did. All the might of the Roman world collapsed against love. And we would argue that we're not in those same circumstances as those early Christians. So, does the question still apply to our situations now? It's one thing to be submissive to God, but should we be submissive to those in practical authority over us? Even if we don't agree with them, or suspect their motives as not being beneficial to us. I mean, let's be fair. It's difficult enough to get our heads around submission when it's set in the context of fairness and justice, or when requests made of us are equitable and make sense. What about submission in the face of injustice? Well, Peter doesn't uh, pull his punches here. He says this in, in verses 18 to 20. He says, Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. We've come to the heart of what is radical godly submission. It's what Jesus is talking about when he addresses disciples in Luke 9. 
he says this, Luke 9.23, whoever wants to be my disciple must, de- must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. It's being prepared to completely set aside myself for others. It's being able to go further than just loving my neighbour and those who are dear to me, but also, as Jesus instructed in Matthew 5, to love my enemies. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. It's submitting to God when we really don't want to. When all those negative reactions that I talked about earlier are screaming at us to rebel. It's submitting and not counting the cost, but simply trusting in God's will. The thing is, God's will will be done. Whether we sign up to it or not. And he wants us to be on the same page as him and to walk with him. And he invites us into the adventure of his purposes. But there are consequences if we don't follow his will. He's not averse to shipwrecking us when we disobey or sending a big fish to bring us round. Remember Jonah. He can move us out the way or block where we're headed and use a donkey to talk sense to us. Remember Balaam. If we're reluctant, God may use others instead of us. And there's nothing worse than spiritual FOMO, fear of missing out. That regret of missing some great adventure with God, knowing that we had the opportunity to be part of it, but we declined. And the Bible is littered with car crashes that occurred when individuals and even nations did not submit to God's will. Well, I think it's pretty clear when we look at the world today where Christ followers are flourishing and where they are floundering. They are flourishing where Christians are submitted to God no matter what the cost. In areas of persecution like China, North Korea, Iran and so on. There are more Christians, more people becoming Christians there, the speed of which in in places and situations that it would seem impossible for that to happen. And yet by contrast, 
we're floundering in the West. Because we've conformed, I think, too much to the will of the world. But I believe that if the church in the West resubmitted itself and operated within God's will, it could again become a revolutionary movement rather than a declining irrelevance. Godly submission in love to all people is a reactionary reality that is unreproachable. And it changes nations. We have seen it. Well, in a few minutes, we'll be celebrating Holy Communion together. And I think it's a fitting place to conclude this talk. Jesus had a moment in the Garden of Gethsemane when he admitted in his humanity that he did not want to go through the trial of the cross that lay before him. He said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. But then he continued, yet not my will, but yours be done. And the final verses from our passage pick up this theme in verses 24 and 25. Peter writes this, He himself bore our sins, referring to Jesus, in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. We are united in Christ in his saving death. When he rose, we rose with him. We therefore live in accord with our new position, that is to live for righteousness, which is submitting to the will of Christ since he is our shepherd and the overseer of our souls. And if we do not submit to Christ, then we are not united with him. We can't have it both ways. It's as simple as that. It means praying every day the words in the Lord's Prayer, your will be done. It means trusting God in all circumstances, especially when the going is tough or the way obscured. It means seeking the Holy Spirit who helps us discern God's will and navigate the distractions that seek to pull us away from it. And it means following Jesus at every turn or junction, wherever he leads.